I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Il arrive. That is French word of the day. Yes, we're doing it. Il arrive means he's coming. Tonight is the night at the Barclays Center where Victor Wembayama will become the first pick of the NBA draft. 19 years old, seven foot four. You've heard all about him. For those of you who've never heard of him, just picture a combination of Magic Johnson, Steph Curry, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, just not Shaquille O'Neal. The first three, it's pretty good. He's 19, and he is going to be the greatest player to ever play in the NBA. And his career starts tonight. Somebody, I I was on uh, Levitard yesterday. I'll be on again today live at 9 a.m. But yesterday, he said that someone bet $60,000 to win 300 that he'll be the first pick. Now, that's good if you have the money. If you have the $60,000 in your account, you can lay it and then win 300. What's the use? Why not do 600,000 and try to win 3,000? There is no scenario under which, oh, there is a scenario. If on the way to Barclays Center, he commits some sort of crime and gets arrested or put in jail or somehow a tragedy happens, it can't be worth it to do that. The San Antonio Spurs people are saying that their trajectory will change tonight. They're used to this. When the NBA lottery happened, we told you that he would be the first pick and that he would go to the San Antonio Spurs and they would win the lottery. And the reason we knew that is the NBA has too much riding on Victor. He's got the entire next generation on his shoulders. He can't be a bust. He's got the personality. His English is terrific. He's got the international appeal. He has the gregarious personality. Everything about him says, this is where we go next. And that is the job of the NBA and of all the leagues. It's to go from face to face, from goat to goat, to keep the debate going, to keep the interest going. There is a benefit for sure of an international player who does speak English being your face of the the industry, of the league. The pressure on this 19-year-old is hard to imagine. But when you look at the things he says and the way he comports himself, it's as though he's been waiting for this and preparing for this for his whole life, which may be true. But the fact that he is willing to say that I don't let this hype get into my head, I have higher expectations for myself, I'm immune to everything, I don't care about anything, That's a red flag for me. And what I was thinking about last night when we were preparing this show was what the Spurs are doing. Of course, on the sales side and on the marketing side, they are prepared 
and they are taking calls. They're selling season tickets. They're getting corporate sponsors involved. They're doing some work in France. They're thinking about the best way that they can get a foothold there from a marketing standpoint. They're already speaking and making sure that Tim Duncan and the Admiral can be around. I would imagine that would be smart for them to do, to be a mentor, talking to other veterans, figuring out who best to put around him, thinking about where to put his locker in the locker room, thinking about what to do with him for summer league, what to do with him for minutes restrictions. There is off the court, non-basketball items being discussed, and they're on the court, basketball-related items being discussed. When you have an opportunity like this, you get one shot. You get one shot to introduce him. You get one shot for his first season. You get one shot to figure out what to do if he's either injured or slumps or doesn't perform the way he was expecting to, he expected or you expected him to. And I'm preparing for all of it. I am putting words down in a book where I am, and I've actually done this before, where you have a plan in place when you are doing something, when you're making a trade or signing a player, when you are making sure that all of the different sides of your company, of your team are all on the same page for what they're doing. You're speaking to your PR people about how much you're gonna let him do outside PR opportunities. Everyone's gonna want a piece of Victor in every city. He's 19 years old. You can talk to me about Spencer Haywood, who I love. You can talk to me about, how old was Kobe when he came in, Coca? I think he was young too. You can talk to me about Robin Yount. Talk to me about any of the young players who come in to any sport. But it is, Kobe was 17 when he started in the NBA. That is unbelievable. Even though he grew up around the NBA with his father, that is still unbelievable. When's the last time you saw a 17, 18, or 19-year-old? Spent any time with them? I used to have a son who was 19 until today. Happy birthday to my youngest who turns 20 today. No more teenagers. I always pictured this day when he was born. He was born off the subject, Coca, very quickly, sorry. He was born in 2003, in June of 2003. We had then won the World Series October of 03. Never got to have him go to a playoff game. Obviously, he was a baby in October of 03. Never got back to the playoffs. He went off to college where he is now and never enjoyed any sort of playoffs. He did get to go to a lot of games and got to have a fun childhood, I think, though I, his therapist may think differently. But he's now 20. That means 20 years have passed. Happy birthday. Love you. So I'm picturing you, my son, right now at 20, 19 yesterday, being in the NBA and being rich. And I don't mean like rich, rich. I mean like richy, rich, rich. I mean having cameras all over you in a way that didn't exist when Kobe started. This is a different world. Everyone's a cameraman. Everyone's waiting to catch you. Everyone wants to bring you down from your perch. That is the sad sort of part of fame that exists today, much worse than it ever has. You need to have a plan. When we had young players, whether it was bringing up Miguel Cabrera, whether it was dealing with a young superstar like Hanley Ramirez, 
whether it was dealing with a young star like Jose Fernandez. I'm not saying all the plans worked. I'm saying we had plans, and that's the point. You can have the best laid plans of mice and men, and you still could have a problem. So the San Antonio Spurs with Greg Popovich are going to make sure that they manage Victor. They figure out what will be best for their team. And what will be best for their team, they will not compete for a championship this year. There is no way. However impatient Victor is, and he's been saying it, he wants to win now. He wants to play summer league. He wants to get ready. He said he has no time to waste. I'm laughing at that because he's 19. The first thing I would do is show him a video of Michael Jordan's career. Show him with Doug Collins. Michael Jordan did not win championships in the beginning. Michael Jordan grew into who he became. And you've got to let him grow into this. So he'll be there at Barclays Center. Did you see him throw the first pitch? He went to Yankee Stadium, threw a first pitch, made me smile. Baseball is hard. Just because you can play basketball doesn't mean you can throw a baseball. And just because you can sing doesn't mean you can take batting practice. And just because you can play in a band doesn't mean that you're an athlete or you're an athlete. It doesn't mean you can play guitar. These are all different skills. I don't know why we embarrass people by throwing first pitches. It's way harder than you think. So he's going to show up at Barclays Center. He'll get there with Adam Silver. He'll do the uniform exchange, put on the Spurs hat, and that's when it all begins. Not just the drama of whether or not the Spurs do this right, which they will, or whether or not Victor will handle it, the fame, the NBA at 19, which he may. Whether or not he'll stay injury-free, which he could. Whether or not he'll win Wookiee of the Year, which he won't. You know, I'm going to make that a wait to see. And I'm not trying to be all Mike Ryan here, but the amount of pressure on him seems impossible for me to believe. Too much can go wrong. Wait to see Victor Wembanyama will not win Rookie of the Year. That's official, Coca. You can book that. The good news for the NBA is that the draft doesn't end after the first pick. There is drama in the second pick, too. Michael Jordan is not drafting the second player in the draft. I don't care what Mitch Kupchak said. I don't care what Michael Jordan said. It is not his decision. He sold the team. It hasn't closed, but there's an agreement in place. Part of the agreement, I guarantee you, is that the new owners, one of them who was a minority partner in the, the uh, Hornets to begin with, one of whom I believe is with the Hawks, who's going to sell his share of the Hawks and come over to the Hornets. There cannot be big trades, big drafts, big moves without discussing and getting permission of the incoming owners. The NBA can't admit it because there has to be one person in charge and that person's the person who's the control person. And until the actual deal is approved, and the money is wired, it's Michael Jordan. But in the real world, Michael Jordan is not doing it alone, and I don't know why. I don't know why Mitch Kupchak and Michael Jordan are going out of their way to make us think or believe that it's their pick. One last F you, people were saying. He's going to draft 
Scoot when they don't need Scoot. They could take Brandon. He's going to take Brandon, but maybe they didn't do their homework and maybe he's got a problem from Alabama that should be discussed. It's absolute hogwash. If you are buying a team for a valuation of $3 billion, I don't care that his name is Michael Jordan. The fact is, since he bought the Hornets, only one of their draft picks, one of their top draft picks has been named an all-star. That's it. He's the only, they've had four top 10 picks. Four. Since 2013, they have one guy. They did trade a good guy. SGA, guess what they did with him? Traded him. God, Jordan has been an absolute failure as an owner, other than the fact that he's the greatest success in terms of what he turned the team into financially. So we're going to get to the second pick. The Hornets will do it. And then there's even more intrigue for the NBA. Because for the first time, you could have people singing, hold me now, hold me now. Maybe you don't know that song. The Thompson Twins? I, I love the Thompson Twins. Their album, Into the Gap, is a great album start to finish. It's like the Cars, Cars, Fleetwood Mac, Rumors. Every song on that album is good. Doctor, doctor, go listen to the album. You'll like it. Thompson Twins are not twins, FYI. It's a guy, a guy, and a girl, and none of them look alike. I don't know why they were called the Thompson Twins. In this draft, we actually have Thompson Twins. It could be the first ever set of twins brothers to be drafted in the top 10. Intrigue. Will it happen? Will it not happen? I'm more interested in what college coaches are thinking. How happy Coach K is to not be involved. How happy Bob Huggins is to not be involved. College basketball. Is it disappearing right before our very eyes? When overtime elite started, we were not really taking them seriously. Why would anyone do that? Now they're going to get paid, but you can get NILs. But you're not going to college, and it doesn't mean you're going to make it, and then you have no college. You have, Even if you're one and done, you just have no, no path. Well, overtime elite is challenging college basketball which is pretty remarkable, actually. One of the Thompson twins played at Overtime Elite. The other one of the Thompson twins played at Overtime Elite. Scoot, who could be the number two pick, Overtime Elite. That could be three of the top 10 players. Did not go to college. Skeet played at, uh, excuse me, Coca, thank you. Scoot, Scoot played at G League Ignite. The point remains the same, Matt. The point, although I was wrong, so thank you for correcting me. It used to be that there were a sprinkling of international players who would be drafted. Then they started being drafted a little higher up because they were experienced, they were ready to help. Think Luca. Jokic wasn't that guy. He was drafted 41st. But none of them were in any way an existential threat against college basketball the way overtime elite has become. So when you look out five years from now, if you have a child who is 16 years old, 17 years old, 
and you see what Overtime Elite is doing, not only are you getting paid, but you're also getting drafted. You're developing to the point where you can be a top 10 pick. What exactly is the purpose of college basketball? And this is not just an issue for the colleges and for the endowments and for the boosters. This is an issue for the broadcasters. One of the great things, CBS, the very network where I'm an MLB analyst, love the network. How important is March Madness to them? The whole world stops during March Madness. Are we good with the fact that the quality of teams may decrease or are we only interested in upsets that a 16 could get, could beat a one or a 15 could beat a two? We don't care about whether or not there's quality players. We don't care if none of them make it to the NBA. Maybe that's what CBS is betting on. That's what the NCAA is betting on. That's a losing bet. When you have a business that is not attracting top talent because you don't do enough to put them in a position to have the rest of their lives be successful, then you've got to make an adjustment. I think NILs aren't enough. If Overtime Elite is letting people get 100 grand a year, how soon until college just becomes that? They have to compete. This is just the beginning. The biggest story of this draft when we look back in 10 years, is not going to be Victor going number one to the Spurs, becoming a perennial all-star, making the NBA top 125 in 50 years when they do that. None of that. The biggest story is going to be overtime elite and the end of college basketball as we know it. I have spent lots of time on this show going through things that the commissioner Rob Manford has said. I've given Rob credit where credit is due. I have questioned things that he said publicly. And this is someone I have a friendship with, a relationship with, but honesty is what we do at Nothing Personal. And it's important. It's important because the audience, I owe it to you. You are here with me every day. We're live at 8 a.m. on YouTube. You download this podcast. The numbers keep record numbers every month. It just keeps growing. As a matter of fact, we are the pick of the month on Apple right now in the sports category. And that's only because of you and what you've done. And if you're new to the show today, which we know every day there are, thank you. Rob Manford is someone who eight years ago or nine years ago, I was involved in, and wanted to make sure he was the next commissioner after Bud Selig. And he has done amazing things for the game. His PR is difficult and it's not for lack of good people around him. It's hard to have a microphone in front of you at all times. It's hard to say the right thing or do the right thing. What you try to do is instead of a scrum, which is when you're in front of a bunch of cameras during a press conference, you try to rehearse, do a Q and a, have answers prepared. We saw after the owner's meeting last week, Rob was not prepared. And if he was prepared, then he didn't execute the game plan. That happens. The other thing that you do to help somebody is you set up an interview and you set up the parameters of the interview. You try to get the questions and you successfully get the questions in advance when it's a non-gotcha interview. Rob gave an interview to Time Magazine as part of its top 100 companies and titans and people and places and things. 
And he made news again yesterday telling you something that is not true. And the reason I'm going to call it out is I think it's so important for you to understand what was going on at the time. And when I'm talking about the Astros sign stealing scandal, I had Evan Drellick on the show. His book, Winning Fixes Everything, is a must read about the entire scandal. He and Ken Rosenthal broke the scandal. I was there. I watched it. I was, I was aware at the time that we were all trying to steal signs. And I know for a fact that the reason the commissioner gave the players immunity, all of the players got immunity for saying what they did. The reason why he did that was in order to make sure that he could get to the truth as quickly as possible about what happened make sure there were fall guys that didn't include the owner and try to move past it as quickly as possible. That's the truth. If the players had not gotten immunity, which was a negotiation with the union, if the players had not gotten immunity, they wouldn't have said a word, not one word. We never would have known exactly what happened or what was being done, or the technology that was being used, or the idiocy of hitting the garbage can, or the rules that have now changed in order to make sure that that sort of abuse does not happen. It required player honesty because no one else was telling him the truth. Jim Crane certainly wasn't. Jeff Lunau never could. AJ Hinch wasn't going to say what he was doing. Alex Cora wasn't going to say it. Carlos Beltran sure as heck wasn't going to say it as manager of the Mets. No one was going to tell him. He got the players to tell them, tell him and baseball and the owners everything. And now Rob Manford is backtracking. He's saying that his regret is that he would not have approached the issue with giving players immunity. Because he said, once we gave them immunity, it puts you in a box as to exactly how you were going to punish them. Of course it did. And he knew that going in. We all knew that going in. That is exactly what immunity is. Hey, would you like to turn state's evidence? Would you like to tell me, if you don't mind what happened here, you won't get in trouble. The guy above you is going to get in trouble, but you're going to be okay. That's as old as the sunrise. Stool pigeons, get people to talk. Giving them immunity makes perfect sense to me. It still makes sense to me. The problem is people were upset that the players didn't get punished, including other members of the union, other players on other teams spoke up after the fact and said, you cut that deal, Tony Clark? You let these players off the hook? These players who cost us a World Series, the Yankees, the Dodgers, give me a break. But that was the purpose of the immunity. Why now, when you're trying to rehabilitate your image, PR image, the owners believe Rob's doing a great job and that's what matters above all. Why? What was going on that he would think that now is the time to say that that's a regret, the biggest regret of the Houston situation? No, 
if I'm asked as commissioner, what is your biggest regret about the Houston situation? My biggest regret is that the story leaked and they got caught. I'll start with that because that really is the biggest regret. My second biggest regret is that I could never get Jim Crane because I wouldn't be allowed to blame Jim Crane because I know that he knew. My third biggest regret is not helping the Astros with their press conference in spring training when they trotted out two players to sort of apologize and Jim Crane was so bad at his press conference. And the story kept growing because of that. Those are my biggest regrets. Not the fact that I gave players immunity. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to get to anybody. He was also asked about Oakland in this Time Magazine article. I spent a lot of time talking about the Oakland situation. You know that. There's still more to talk about. He said an interesting thing that I want to make sure that you're aware of. When asked about his culpability in the Oakland situation, the commissioner responded, it doesn't matter what I put on my shoulders. They put it on my shoulders. Trust me on this. That's part of the responsibility of the job. You make hard decisions about the future of the game, the future of franchises. And at the end of the day, you know, it's my responsibility. Good for you, Rob, except that's not true. The owners make the decisions about the future of franchises. The owners make the decisions about the future of the game. You advise them. You show them facts and figures. You try to get owners to do what you think is best, what you want to do, but they don't always, they don't need to. You can't do anything without 23 votes. The communication that needs to happen on Oakland is why owners want a team in Vegas versus Oakland and why they want a team relocated instead of expansion. If you want to try to help your PR show empathy toward both fan bases, we are very excited that people in Las Vegas want a major league baseball team. We are looking at expansion and Las Vegas is a market that is being strongly considered. We are thankful for their affinity to our game. We do not want teams to move. We've only had two teams move in 50 years. We appreciate the fans in Oakland and recognize the ups and downs that a franchise has and hope that they can remember the success that the A's have had on the field and remember that there will be that success again and that people will get to enjoy that success in what we hope is a new retractable roof building or a new building in Oakland. I can't control it. I don't know for sure what will happen, but that certainly is my desire. So many better ways to do the talking points. So many better ways to answer these questions. You had Time Magazine right there. You had it, you had it, you had it. It's from my favorite movie, Let It Ride, when David Johansson wouldn't bet on the first horse. You had it. You, you had it. In PR, all the answers are right there. You just have to give them. All right, when we come back, 
I'm going to review a movie that I watched and I am on a bad streak. I'm on a bad streak in the pick of the day. I'm on a bad streak in choosing movies. And we're also going to talk about a lawsuit. Here's another thing the commissioner gets in all sports. They get sued a lot. So do all the teams. Are the Miami Marlins or the Atlanta Braves or the Minnesota Twins or the Tampa Bay Rays or the LA Dodgers, are they worried about the lawsuit that was just filed? We'll be right back to discuss it. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet five bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. The pick of the month on Apple. Thank you for joining us. I watch a movie every day. I really try to watch good movies. I like watching good movies. It's way better than watching bad movies. There's no way I was not going to watch White Men Can't Jump. White Men Can't Jump starred Woody Harrelson, Wesley Snipes pre-prison, Rosie Perez, love her. It was a great movie. It's about two guys. Marcus Johnson was in White Men Can't Jump. I don't know if you remember that. He's the one who played basketball, but also was the one who robbed the convenience store. Absolutely perfect movie. Is that a Ron Shelton movie, Coca? The original White Men Can't Jump? Whatever it is. Are we in that bad a shape in Hollywood? where we can't find something original to do. They redid White Men Can't Trump with Jack Harlow playing the Woody Harrelson character. Jack Harlow, the guy from Dave, Dave's rival in a show that's original and terrific. If you're not watching it, we reviewed that season three and every season as well. Jack Harlow is a musician. Here's what Jack Harlow is not. 
an actor or a basketball player. Now, you can't win the Kentucky Derby with a donkey. You can't win an Oscar with a script that could be written by a babbling six-year-old. White Men Can't Jump is so bad, the new one, having nothing to do with the fact that I love the original, having nothing to do with the fact that I had zero expectations going in, having to do with the fact that this got greenlit. That's what I can't figure out about bad content. How desperate are we? And how much do you love me that you don't have to watch it? If you've seen it already, I'm sorry, I should have seen it earlier to warn you. If you haven't seen it already, white men can't jump, watch the original, skip. And this is not me being old. That, that's a criticism that I think is coming my way right now. This is you being a boomer that you not wanting things to be remade. That's wrong. I'm perfectly fine with remakes. Just make them good. White men can't jump. No man should see that movie or woman or child. Every day for 18 years, there was mail call. We had, uh, we had people. Yes, we did. We had two people, Carl and Donna. Yes, I think about you both often. They would go through the office with their carts. They deliver packages, they deliver mail, they deliver supplies. They had their own area in the new ballpark. They were with us in the old ballpark. Very loyal to them, they were very loyal to me. Mail call is when, before the proliferation of email really, but mail call was when you had to cross your fingers and hold your breath the same way that a philandering slut man has to on Father's Day opening the mailbox, worrying about what could be, what letter could be there. Because every day in baseball, there is a chance that you're getting sued. It's just how it goes. We're on the lookout for process servers. We're on the lookout for mail, certified mail. It's just one of those fun things. Yesterday, a lawsuit was filed against Major League Baseball and all teams by scouts. One of the plaintiffs, plaintiffs are the people who filed the lawsuit, defendants are the people who are being sued. The plaintiffs in these cases, in this case, are scouts who are known, because they call themselves in the complaint, which I read, as old scouts over the age of 40. And they are alleging age discrimination that Major League Baseball and its teams are not hiring these scouts any longer because they're old. They are alleging that there is a book like the McCarthy era, black books, a book that says these following scouts should not be hired. That is such, before I even talk to you about the rest of the suit, let me assure you, there is no book. You think that we spend time colluding over which scouts we're gonna hire, that we look, hey, that team's not hiring them, so we're not gonna hire them too? Are you kidding me? It's absurd. We'd sooner collude over players than collude over not taking care of or hiring scouts. We're always looking to do something differently than another team when it comes to 
off the field advantages. That's why you saw the article that we haven't even talked about yet that we'll do on a, on a mailbag next month where MLB could be looking to level the playing field when it comes to off-field spending on technology or off-field number headcount in terms of people in your baseball department. But if you think that we look at the Dodgers and say, oh, look at them. We're not going to hire one of their scouts. We're not going to hire any scouts. We don't want to scout. Let them scout. No. It's absurd. So forget the fact that they claim that there's some sort of book that they're in that they won't get hired. What these men are all claiming is they lost their jobs and they won't get rehired. And it's some sort of collusion acting in concert. I have a newsflash for everybody. The reason why scouts are not being hired anymore is that teams want to cut expenses because scouts aren't necessary anymore because A, you can scout from TV and B, it's all done through analytics and GMs don't actually need you to sit around the batting cage and gossip and be on the road for 270 days a year. Do you ever see the movie Up in the Air? They go around firing people until Anna Kendrick came in and said, forget that, we can do it automated. Cut your travel expenses. Of course, they end up going back to it. They may one day end up going back to scouts on the road. Right now, the reason why you don't travel scouts as much as you used to is you don't need to. You get every bit of statistic that you need, and that's how decisions are being made, and I happen to disagree. I loved having scouts on the road. We did not pull our scouts off the road. The reason why we wanted scouts on the road is I love what goes on at the ballpark and what you can see that you don't get on TV, that you don't get from analytics, that you don't get from the numbers. You get to talk to people, schmooze. It all became less important. I have great empathy. No, that's not true. I really am not as empathetic as I'd like to be. In this instance, I've really gotten better since I left baseball, trying to just be a better person, better, more empathy, more feelings, less robotic. I'm really trying. By the way, Coca, he's texting every two seconds. So I don't have empathy in this case, and here's why. How many jobs have you all had where you're let go? Not because they don't like you, you're not good at your job, because your job is now obsolete. That's the way of the world. There's a documentary that I watched that I haven't reviewed that, that I'm going to review tomorrow called Working. The reality of life is that not every job lasts forever. As someone once said so perfectly, and I don't remember where I heard it, but it may have been in a recent documentary. How do you think saddle makers are doing after the invention of the car? Do you get that? How about the people who manufacture typewriters? Do they still have their jobs or do they have to learn how to build a computer? The old way of scouting is not efficient. They have found a better way. It is a hard thing when your job becomes obsolete. It's hard when you're told it and you're looking for a reason 
This goes back to Moneyball. Remember the scene with Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill? You've got the old scouts chewing tobacco, spitting tobacco, and you've got the new young upstart saying, forget all this. You don't even need to look at him. Let's get Jeremy Giambi. As long as we have a Cy Young winner and an MVP, we got ourselves a movie. I am not in favor of 100% analytics. I'm not in favor of 100% regular scouting by eye. I'm in favor of a combination. But the other reality of life in this world is that when someone can do your job who makes less money than you do, they're going to replace you. Your boss, wherever you currently work, if they can find anyone to do what you do, who's as good as you are, you're gone. That's the reality. It's not just baseball. It's not just scouting. It's every single business. And what they did here is they have filed an age discrimination federal lawsuit. They want to do a class action. I've got big news for all of them. One of the plaintiffs, they listed them in alphabetical order. Funny side story. One of the plaintiffs is Jim Benedict. Jim Benedict is a guy who we had with the Marlins. We brought him in from the Pittsburgh Pirates. We had to trade Trevor Williams to get him. We had people working for the Marlins who got into the owner's ear who said, you've got to get Jim Benedict. He's your guy. He was absolutely not our guy. Total disaster. And we had to trade Trevor Williams, who ended up being a major league pitcher. But the thought was, hey, we're going to get a guy who's going to make every pitcher better. You can give away one pitcher. Everyone we have is going to be better. Not one guy got better. But that doesn't mean you can't be a plaintiff. You want to be a plaintiff, be a plaintiff. That's not why you don't have a job. You don't have a job because your job doesn't exist anymore. Try as you may. There are good names. There are good people on the list of plaintiffs. But their grievances will not be addressed by a court of law. MLB, on behalf of the teams, will file a motion to dismiss. They will not be granted class status by any judge. A motion to dismiss will be filed, and that will be the end of this case. This is not an example of the minor league wage case where there were serious public policies in place that would lead to years of litigation and a settlement. This is an example of people not being comfortable with their own new reality. And I get it. It's hard to be comfortable with a reality that doesn't include you when it's all you know and all you've ever done. Get online. You are with millions of other Americans and people around the world who are doing their job on a Tuesday and told on a Wednesday, you've been replaced by a machine. Maybe I should have a machine do my picks. How about that? I had Luis Castillo, who we were also told would only be a bullpen arm, by those same scouts. <laughs> Yikes. Mariners did not beat the Yankees. We are back to 596 and 96. Thank God Brian Cashman came out with his vote of confidence for Volpe. Volpe hit a home run. All's well in the Yankee world. Yankees won a game. How do you think they're doing in Cincy and San Francisco right now? The Giants have a 10-game winning streak beat the Padres again. The Reds have an 11 game winning streak. The Reds haven't won 11 games in, I don't know, 50 years. Joey Votto's back. They're an exciting team with De La Cruz. 
They're in first place. The San Francisco Giants have passed the Dodgers and the Padres. Winning streaks will do that. I'm fascinated by what's happening with the Mets and Padres. The Mets lost again. The Padres lost again. The Mets are six under. The Padres are four under. They're both eight and a half or nine and a half or ten and a half back of their divisions, not even in the wild card race. Everything that we wanted to come true about the Mets and Padres is coming true. There are great stories for MLB to sell. Recorded a show with John Skipper that I believe will be released by Levitard tomorrow where we talked about the Yankees and Red Sox and why they're on TV every damn Sunday and how angry I was that good teams like the Marlins when we were good would not get national attention and he did not pull his punches. He was very clear that the Marlins, no matter how good they are, no needles being moved. Guess what? Cincinnati Reds, nary a needle. Isn't that a shame? They're a fun team. They've got amazing young players. They went through a window of crap, including last year where they lost a hundo. I think they started three and 22 last year, fired David Bell. This team stinks. Have you ever heard of a rebuild that works? How about Houston? Cheating notwithstanding. As a fan base, can you please show a little patience when the team is bad? and count on your front office to know that they have a chance to have a window that opens again. The Cincinnati Reds will not be the big red machine. They're not going to win multiple World Series. They're not going to be good for 10 years in a row because they're not the Yankees. They're not the Dodgers. But the Cincinnati Reds have an open window right now, and they're going to run through it. Whether it lasts or doesn't last, what about enjoying right now? How upset are Pittsburgh Pirates fans? Are you not enjoying now because your team is back to what you thought it would be? Does that mean you shouldn't have enjoyed how great it was when they were good in the beginning of the season? Which shows you that 2020 is not even worth thinking about. It's an absolute 60-game sprint that is not meaningful or meaningful in any way because every team can have a good 60-game stretch. So the Pirates had an amazing 60-game stretch, and now they're back to where they are, and they could lose 85 or 90 games. But does it mean you didn't enjoy the beginning of what could be another window for them? Did you give up on the Reds at 3-22? and Don't let your team have its ups and downs. If you're lucky enough to live in a place or be a fan of a team that doesn't have any ups and downs, then good for you, but you're one of the few, not the many. For my pick today... Alex Wood has been terrific for the San Francisco Giants. They're going against Blake Snell. I love betting against Blake Snell. The Padres are certainly going to try to get a game here, but the trend's your friend, and the Padres are going to get swept. Blake Snell is going to do the normal five and dive. He actually has gotten into the sixth inning, maybe even into the seventh inning a few times this year. Good for him. But we're taking Wood plus 110, the hot Giants team, with the great... Michael Conforto, come on, plus 110, we're in. So tonight, I hope that you spend your time watching the draft because it's going to be fun to watch, see the top 10 picks, watch Adam Silver awkwardly shake the hands, give a bro hug 
put a hat on, look at a seven foot four guy walk across the stage with the Spurs jersey. Think about what is going to change for these franchises and know that behind the scenes, there's people like me who are watching their teams draft players and all they're thinking is, God damn, they better be good because it's just business. See you tomorrow. This is nothing personal. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.